Right, I'm going to invite uh, Reverend Isaac Shaw to come and join us. And as he's coming up, I just want to share today, today's Mother's Day. It's a special, special day. And there are three women in my life that, uh, make, that have made a great difference, and I wouldn't be here without them. And, of course, it's my mom, who is in India, and my spiritual mother, who is here. Can you please stand? That's my mama and my wife. So, yes, thank you all. And uh, my spiritual mom is from Colombia. Uh, and uh, we are very international. So I'm glad you're here, Mama. I love you. Yes. And I love you, Mama, from India, if you're watching our live stream, right? Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, this is uh, Reverend Isaac Shaw. Um, God has been doing great things in India. And he's not just great because he's a great man or doing great work. It's because he's a man of God. And he's my spiritual father. When I was in university, I was adopted into the family, and this is my mom and my dad. So I'm, I'm so proud, and I'm glad that he's here. Let's give him a big welcome. Yeah. Thank you. So Delhi Bible Institute and Bible Poem Christian Church, I just want you to share why Delhi Bible Institute, why Bible Poem, what is God doing there? Uh, thank you very much for the warm welcome, and it's such a joy to be here uh, with my family and with Balui, our son, our spiritual son. We miss him very much in Delhi. And my friend of 32 years and his dear wife, Mike McMillan and Christina from Palmdale, uh, California. So uh, we are just uh, so, so wonderful uh, to be in God's family over here. Why Delhi Bible Institute? Delhi Bible Institute is involved in a very strategic task of equipping the church planters of today, discipling them and sending them into the hinterlands of North India. All right. So uh, the, the vision that you have for 2018 and for several years, what are some of those visions and how is it making impact in North India? Uh, our goal is to equip 100,000 new believers for the purpose of planting 30,000 new churches right across North India. So you can see the breadth of the vision and the size of the vision. This might be baffling to your minds, so many thousands, but North India is 650 million people. So it is in the context of the 650 million people. What we are trying to do is a God-sized vision for a God-sized country. Yeah. So right now, I know uh, the Bible Woman Christian Fellowship, they have finished their worship. But on a given Sunday, because the hub and the headquarter is in New Delhi, but how many churches from Bible Woman Ministry and DBI are worshiping on a given Sunday? Uh, at the moment, 183. Oh, wow. Awesome. 183 churches on a given Sunday through that ministry, right? That's amazing. Right, that's amazing, yes. So today we can't go into a lot of the big ministry and the vision. We need more time and days and weeks and maybe we can hear that in, in the future. But share, share to us one thing at Santa Clara First Baptist Church. How we can partner and uh, what are some things that you want us to pray for and focus on? Thank you. Uh, because the ministry is quite wide and spread all through, the north, through North India. 
we are opening a brand new center right in the heart of North India called the Central Province in the city of Bhopal. And we are opening a brand new center over there. And I want to bring to your church a single project there of a computer center, if you could support us to open a computer center in the new center in Bhopal. All right. So uh, what would you need? How much would it cost for that center? Uh, to have six computers, we would need about $2,000. $2,000. All right. I heard $2,000. Church, did you hear two thousand dollars? All right, I like that. I like your smile. Um, are there other things that we can help uh, in terms of, uh, uh, the, you know, the expertise, skills, technical part? I know you are sitting here in Silicon Valley, and I'm very tempted to ask this of you: that if you would send a team to equip our church, these hundred and eighty-three churches that are uh, that are affected. Uh, you know, we, we, uh, you can come and train the churches in Delhi and our church in particular in the use of technology to administer our growing churches. Amen. Amen. I think uh, that should lead us into a, uh, a time of offering and worship. As we all know that giving is an act of worship. And you heard the wonderful works God is doing all around the world. And we're glad to have Reverend Isaac show here to inspire you that you are a part of something bigger than yourself. Mm. Right? And our church, uh, I am not boasting this, but we do God-sized stuff here at our church. And God is alive here in this church. And it's, uh, it's a perfect Sunday to, for God to send a man with a God-sized dream to do a God-sized thing and partner with us. So. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward, and I'm going to pray. And we'll go straight into the Word of God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for what you're doing already. We thank you for the joy that the kids have shared through their testimony and songs. We thank you for the amazing worship. Great are you, Lord, and great is your faithfulness. We thank you for the brief testimony of what God is doing in North India and through Delhi Bible Institute and Bible Bhavan. Help us all to glorify your name. May our giving, our meditation, our worship be acceptable to you this morning. And I pray for Reverend Pastor Isaac Shah as he brings the word of God, enlarge our heart, break the territory in our heart to see what God is doing and what you have called for us to do this week and tomorrow to make an impact in people's life in this valley. And we pray this in Jesus' name and the people Amen. of God's sake. Amen. Amen. As you are giving unto the Lord, would you also turn with me whatever media you use to go to the Bible and uh, Luke chapter 18 and I'm going to read for you from verses 1 to 8, Luke chapter 18, and I will read verses 1 to 8. I have been greatly impacted in my life by a praying grandmother and a praying wife. And uh, right from our honeymoon, that was 25 years ago, which is still continuing, and till this morning, my wife gets up at 4.30 every morning to pray. 
And I believe, mothers, this is your biggest contribution to the family, to the family of God, to building the next generation of righteous in the world all around. I was deeply impacted in India with a, with a praying, praying uh, grandmother and a praying wife. And here we are in Luke chapter 18. And let me read these verses to you before I go into the word. And he told them a parable. This is Jesus teaching his disciples. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in the city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Or will he find prayer on earth? Because you don't pray if you don't have faith. Let's look Ask the Lord's help this morning. Father, please help us as your word is open to us. Let the open word become living word in our lives. Speak to us, Master, and deal with us today as we dwell in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Family, the point of this parable, this story over here is to encourage us to be persistent in prayer. Disciples of Christ, here in the words of Jesus, should always pray and not give up. The Lord is saying they should always pray and not give up. Why did the Lord say to his disciples that they should not give up? Because the place where we give up frequently and the most is the place of prayer. Because by nature, we are all activists. We want to do something and we want to see something happen very quickly. Do you know, family, the self-sufficient do not pray. They merely talk to themselves. The self-satisfied will not pray. They have no knowledge of their need. The self-righteous cannot pray. They have no basis on which to approach God. I want to encourage us this morning... 
that we would not give up so quickly in prayer. Do you see our God is a sovereign God? What does that mean? That means he knows everything. And yet, he encourages his people to pray. That means to ask. That means there is something supernatural about prayer that God is willing to bend his ear if his people ask. Is that the view of prayer that you have, family? Does this view of God reflect your prayer life, that he is willing to answer your prayers? Do I see God, like in the story, an unjust judge who has got his hand tightly clasped on the answer to your prayers? Is that the view of God you have? Or one who is ready to answer all our prayers. When I was a kid, we were taught this chorus. It's no more heard in the, our, our junior churches or, on, or in our Sunday schools. God answers prayer in the morning. God answers prayer at noon. God answers prayer in the evening. Did some of you sing this one? What does the last line say? So set your hearts on tune. So keep your hearts in tune. We honor God, family, by the greatness of our petition. The more our asking, the greater the glory gets, God gets from our prayers. Yes, we should ask for our daily needs. Yes, we should ask for the challenges that are before us. But we should not just stop there. The problem is, too often the church just stops with personal prayers and they don't go further and forward. Here I am from India and I cannot just stop here to challenge you and say to you, what has he said in his word? In Psalm chapter 2, verse 8, he says, Ask of me, and I will give you your dream job. Does it say that? Does it say, Ask of me, and I will give you your life partner? Ask of me, and I will give you your dream health? Does it say that? No. He gives all of that. I'm not saying, I'm not discounting the fact that God does these things. But what does it say over here? Ask of me and I will give you the nations and the ends of the earth as your inheritance. Do you realize what God is willing to give? But family of God, that's what I was saying. We need to ask for our immediate needs, but we need to move on and ask that people all around the world would be able to hear the gospel and know Jesus as their Lord and Master. Too often, too often we stop quickly. Poet, M. Kelly has described our prayers very succinctly in his 
three stanzas of his poem, and I will read it out to you. If you had been living when Christ was on earth, and had met the Savior kind, what would you have asked him to do for you, supposing you were stone blind? The child considered and then replied, I suppose that without a doubt I had asked the Lord for a guide dog to lead me daily about. Yes, you are laughing, isn't it? But don't our prayers reflect that? And then he concludes in his final stanza, and he says this, How often thus in our faithless prayers we acknowledged with shamed surprise we have only asked for a dog with a chain when he could have opened blind eyes. He realized, family, this is a challenge by God for us to ask great and big things. I've been talking to you about a God-sized vision for a God-sized country. Family of God, too often we ask very little, and too often we give up. I am not standing here to say to you that my prayer life is all that it, what it should be, but I want to say this to you. It is not also what it used to be. It is growing. Robert Murray McShane has said this very well. A man is what he is on his knees and no more. You can have great knowledge positions, and very especially in the corner of the world that you are. We could have a great reputation, social standing, honor in the church, but at the end of the day, our esteem in heaven's eyes come down to this level. We, what we are on our knees, that we are and no more. Family of God, this passage which we are looking at, Jesus is speaking to his disciples that his disciples today, you and I, should always pray and not give up. Family, I don't want to rub your nose into this, but I wonder how many of you this morning have spent that time with the Master. Every morning I wake up and my bed is empty because my wife has already gone from the bed. I do not know what time she goes, but I know it's about 4.30 when she goes. And very especially in these last four or five weeks, I have also started getting up and going and doing prayers with her at the same time. And this morning in the house of her spiritual son, that was the biggest delight. To seek him. 
Now I want to say and bring it down to our level, not just theoretically, but why is it and how is it that the family of God gives up so frequently and so quickly in prayer? And I want to bring three reasons to you today and want to bring three conclusions at the end of it. And the first one is this, that most of the time we don't realize, and this is my first point to you this morning, is that prayer is warfare. Have you ever considered? It's not just asking and receiving. Why a lot of us give up in prayer so frequently because we think prayer is a mechanism of asking and receiving. And that's why we get so frustrated when we don't receive. Let me tell, take you behind the scenes and show you prayer is warfare. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6 and in verse 12, he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. He says that is what you and I are against. The real battle that is going on in our world is a spiritual battle. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, then Paul describes to us the weapons that a Christian has. He says, for the weapons of our warfare, if there is a spiritual battle going on, then Paul says that the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Paul also gives us in Ephesians the whole list of the armor of God that is available to the child of God. And he says, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, feet shot with the shoes of the gospel of peace and the sword of the spirit. And then he comes to the main weapon. He gives us the final and the piece of armor that gives us the victory in our spiritual walk in this world. And he says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, and with all prayer, he says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Do you see how many times all is mentioned in that verse? We need this weapon if we are going to overcome the devil. All prayer. Family of God, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint on his knees. So he puts all his effort to keep the weakest saint off his knees. How can I trot his plan to keep me off, his, off my knees? Satan manipulates our ordinary daily circumstances of our lives in order to checkmate us from getting to talk to God. 
family of God, can I encourage you today? Would you prioritize prayer? Pray at a time and at a place where disruptions are least likely. For some, it is early morning. For others, it could be late at night. But look at the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left out of the house, and went off to a solitary place to pray. I asked my prayer mentor, which happened to be your pastor's prayer mentor also, Zach Farmer. You would remember those days under sitting under Zach Formam in Delhi. And I asked him, I said, what does this verse mean very early in the morning while it was still dark? And he said, morning in Israel is six o'clock. Early morning is five o'clock. Very early in the morning is four o'clock. Four o'clock was Jesus' time to pray in the morning, the time which is of our sweetest and the deepest sleep. That was the time the master was praying. Why was it important for the master to pray? It was so important for the master to pray, talk to his father, because the priority was that he would not talk to the people about his father till he had talked to his father do you see how important that is? He did not allow the church, the crowd, the people to get between him and his father. Do you see the priority of prayer in the life of the master himself? Family of God, do you realize what a strategic role you have in prayer? Prayer are like drones, unmanned combat aerial vehicles operated from remote locations, doing maximum damage on the battlefront lines. You can pray for world missions, and you can see people reach for the Lord. You become co-workers, even from your bedroom, of God's great mission of people knowing Him as His Lord and Savior. Family of God realizes that prayer is warfare. In the next 10 minutes, I have to wrap up telling you two other reasons why we give up. The second thing is, the second reason why we give up so quickly in prayer is that we are weak. We don't realize that I am weak. Know yourself to know God. We don't realize this. It is important that we know ourselves so as to pray and not give up. My physical body causes me to give up in prayer more frequently than anything else. A very late night. Not in very productive activity. Just scuttles my time in the morning to even get up fresh. Can I say this to you? Listen to me. Give attention to me. Because there are often no obvious, immediate, and visible returns for praying, we get frustrated and we give up. We give up very quickly. 
We have been conditioned in our world to expect instant everything. Have you realized when you are texting someone and you have hit that send button and it does not go, that is one-tenth of a second, it does not go, how frustrated you become. Just for pressing it second time, you press two or three times. Why didn't it go the first time? That is what you are saying. Can you imagine, you think prayer is like this texting to God, and if he does not respond immediately, you think he is not attentive. Family of God, we have been so conditioned in our world, anything that cannot be seen is worthless. So we lose heart, and then we do not pray. What is the answer? What is the answer to the problem of the flesh? What is the answer? Discipline your body. Discipline your mind. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, But I discipline my body and make it my slave. The family of God, that is one area we cannot just say no. We see something, we want to eat it. We want to see something, we want to get it. We want to see something and we want to buy it. Paul says, discipline. Paul put his body under his godly mind. He subjected it to do what he knew was God's will for him. Do we do that? Family of God, I come from a very religious country. Four o'clock in the morning, you can hear the Muslims call to prayer from the minaret. Allahu Akbar, God is great. Therefore, come and pray. Do you see how chilling that is? If God is great then I need to come and pray. That is four in the morning. Five in the morning, the Sikhs are rushing towards their Gurdwara for the prayer time. Six in the morning, right across India, every temple bell comes alive. All the Hindus are clanging the temple bells because that is the time for gods to wake up. Seven o'clock, Christians are still in their bed turning, trying to get a little more sleep because they believe in this verse more because he gives his beloved sleep. <laughs> family of God, change the world through your prayers. Change your family through prayers. Change the circumstances in your homes by prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because, all because we do not carry everything, everything to God in prayer. Prayer is warfare. I am weak. And my final point is, I need to simplify my life. I need to simplify my life. Did you hear this? You need to simplify something in your life. Our constant nibblings at the tables of the world have left no appetite to feed at the table of God. Did you realize that? Do you know if you have this monster called smartphone, and I know you have it, On an average, it is researched that you look at 
a cell phone 150 times on an average in a day. And if I ask you, who do you worship, you will say Jesus. But do you know who do you worship really? The smartphone. You don't take the name of Jesus 150 times in a day. But inadvertently, you look at the cell phone 150 times. Our latest gadgets have become our latest curses. Family of God, simplify your life. Let me read Wing Mang Dao's from his biography, one, one paragraph, this great Chinese believer, pastor. When I was put in jail, I was devastated. This is Wang Ming Dao saying. I was 60 years old at the peak of my powers. I was a well-known evangelist and wished to hold crusades all over China. I was an author. I wanted to write more books. I was a preacher. I wanted to study my Bible and write more sermons. But instead of serving God in all these ways, I found myself sitting alone in a dark cell. I could not use the time to write more books that deprived me of pen and paper. I could not study my Bible and produce more sermons. They had taken my Bible away. I had no one even to witness to as the jailer for years just pushed my meals through a hatch. Everything that had given me meaning as a Christian worker had been taken away from me. And I had nothing to do, nothing to do except to get to know God. And for 20 years... That was the greatest relationship I had ever known. But the cell, but the cell was the means to it. I was pushed into a cell, Wing Ming Dao says. I was pushed into a cell, but you have to push yourself into one. You have no time to know God. You need to build yourself a cell so that you can do for yourself what persecution did for me. Simplify your life. Family, simplify your life. What is that one thing, family, you are going to simplify today so that you can create margin for life? Our life has got no margin left. So there is no time to pray. The three applications that I want to bring quickly to you is, go to God. And there was a widow, verse 3 says, in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. Go to God. My second application is, go again and again to God. He, is, he will not get fed up with you going again and again to God. My third application to you is, Change the world by persistent prayers. You know, there are three kinds of people in the world. There is one kind of people who make things happen. There are second kind of people who are merely spectators, who watch things happen. And then there is a third group of people who are always asking that question, what happened? Which group are you in, family? The people who make things happen are those who pray. It is the intercessors who are writing the history of the world. 
Verse 7 says, And will not God bring about justice for his chosen one who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? The widow got what she asked for because persistent prayers get results. Prayer is not, you remember when you had to call a service place, it was your phone was, your call was on hold. Prayer is not that call that has been put on hold where you hear this ugly music interrupted frequently by the message. Your call is important to us, so kindly remain on hold. Prayer is not that. Will he keep putting them off? The Bible says no. The widow could get from an unjust judge by persistent prayer, she got an answer. Jesus says that even a widow could do that. Why will he not answer us who is our loving heavenly father? Family of God, look to God. There is no obstacle to come to God in prayer. God even wants us to come to him again and again and again. Prayer is the life breath of the Christian. God will not put us off. Do you know we say this in India? Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. No prayer, no power. No prayer, no power. Family of God, Jesus close this parable with some very solemn words. And it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Will you not give up in prayer? Will you pray for us? We need your prayers. My wife and I will be available at the table in the foyer, to talk to you and to share with you what the Lord is doing as an answer to prayer in North India. May the Lord bless us today with his word. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful to you for this morning. We are grateful to you for this church, Lord. We thank you for our, their warmth and their welcoming spirit. And Lord, what you are doing here under the leadership of your servant, our pastor, Valui, we want to give you thanks, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you have enabled us to come and share about the needs of North India over here and have challenged the church to pray for themselves and to pray for world evangelism. We pray, Lord Jesus, that today this word will go deep into the hearts of your children and then they will pray and not give up. We give you glory and we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.